Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. YouTube.com slash Litopia. And here to help me today are... Yeah, a multi-award winning author from New Zealand, including just recently, not one, but two Bram Stoker Awards, Horror Writings Premier Literary Award. I can't ever emphasize that, how impressive that is. It's Lee Murray. And wherever on the other side of the room, she's one of our most popular Latopian writers, narrators, and guests on this show. She's always on the money and always looking as if she's just stepped off a cruise ship. It's the wonderful Ali Gardner. So, uh, two <laughs> fabulous guests. Absolutely, that's not Ali Gardner, that's me, in fact. Um, two <laughs> fabulous guests. Uh, but right at the heart of pop up submissions, in case you don't know, is our live genius room, who are even now assembling. OMW, on my way to you. Good at what I do. OMW. And I'd like to know what that stands for, but I'm sure someone in the genius room will tell me. Um, let's see who's wearing the big sexy smile so far this month. Yeah, this is our leaderboard, our monthly leaderboard. Um, and I can tell you that it's an interesting situation. We've got two authors who are sharing top position. There's Nick's mystery story, ties with Liam's middle grade fantasy adventure, both of whom have got 70%, which is the number that today's submissions will have to beat if they want to be this month's winner. And we'll see the very first submission right after this. <laughs> to kill someone but don't fancy time in prison then kill them with a pen on paper all you have to do is just put the person of your choice into a short story and let your imagination free kill them however you like with a knife or a gun poison might be fun just kill with words 500 words in fact then send it to us at litopia.com forward slash hunters killing the literary way revenge is best served on paper Short Story Hunters, where you can have your cake and eat it too. So far, we haven't been arrested. Oh, and whatever you do, don't really kill anyone. Yeah, Johnny's looking a little green round the gills, isn't he? I'm sure he's going to be okay for the next episode of Short Story Hunters, our fabulous podcast. Let's have a look at our very first submission of the day. It's from LJ Conrad. There's a QR code there too. You can scan it and you can go to whichever website LJ wants you to go to. And it's called The Shovel P.I. And it's fantasy slash crime. And this is LJ's blurb. The Shovel is the best P.I. in town, not to mention burglar and card sharp. They must outwit a diamond thief, solve their own attempted murder, and save the town from a series of magical attacks, all while keeping one step ahead of the police and hiding a secret that will get them burnt to the stake if it comes out. A secret that was a lot easier to hide before the shovel made an enemy of the most powerful warlock around. Okay, so I'm intrigued already. Uh, let me tell you about LJ. I graduated from the University of Glamorgan, now USW, with first class honours, impressive, uh, in the Creative and Professional Writing BA, and I won the Michael Parnell Prize for best piece of creative writing that year. Good creds. 
Um, in creating the character of the shovel, I took three elements from my own life, being agender and asexual, identities that are hugely underrepresented in fiction, that's true, and vegan, and created a genderless species who are incapable of killing. How interesting. That is vegan whales. Veganism pretty much originated in Wales, actually, with a character called Donald Watson, who invented the name. I was lucky enough to meet him before he died. Um, I very much want this to be the start of a series, you say, and I have drafted out the second book, as well as plotting a few ideas for future instalments. I've also several other works in progress, mostly in the speculative and historical genres. Thank you very much, LJ. Uh, sounds original, sounds creative. Why don't we ask the queen of our narrating team to give it her very best, is Emily. The Shovel, P.I. by LJ. Read by Emily. Part 1. The Shovel and the Case of the Artful Robber. Chapter 1. The town of Sodden Westerly is no apple. So what's someone like me doing here if there's no apple? It's home. Besides, Sodden Westerly is where Inspector Angel is and it'll clean break his heart if I leave. I don't have a place where I live, per se. There's the banger, which is useful in a bind, when the darn thing works. And other times, when it's real cold, and I can't feel the tips of my fingers or my nose even bundled up inside the banger, then it's time to visit Ferdemary. He turns up one day, out of thin air, in some dumb contraption of his own invention. Says he's come from the past to catch a criminal, and while he's here, he wants to learn about the future. I never work out if he comes from the past of Thother, or the past of magic, because there are two worlds, in case you don't notice. Thought a world is where humans come from, and Ferdemys decidedly human, and kind of just to the side of it is magic, which is the world of the ultra-mundane, like angels, genii, Atari, like me, and other weird stuff. And time machines count as weird, but wherever he starts, he ends up right in my lap. The inspector calls it exploitation, but whoever listens to the inspector? After I sell his time machine off for scrap, Ferdemy catches wise that I may not be the most trustworthy guide in the future, and I'm just in it for the money. So now he set up office in Sodden Westerly of all places, as a private detective of all things. Apparently, he does it back in the old days. I guess I'll mention here that I'm a PI. Of a sort. Inspector Angel says PIs are supposed to solve crimes, not commit them, but he's just sore that I can solve a case from right under his nose and he never has enough evidence to catch me. Since it's cold out, I drop in on Ferdemy's office. You never know what valuables he might leave lying around. As I'm rummaging through his rubbish looking for leads, clients or bank details, I come across a newspaper article about Inspector Angel of Sodden Westerly Constabulary, insisting that the William are closing in on the being or beings who are perpetrating the string of burglaries that scourge the homes and businesses of the rich and tasteful for the last few months. Thus, I'm momentarily not as keenly observant as usual, and the owner of the bin startles me. No, I'm not, I say. Ferdemy's grapefruit eyes stare at me through thick lenses, just visible below a mass of curly hair and above a rather fetching false moustache. I beg your pardon, he says, which is just like him. You throw it out, makes it public property. Now stop avoiding the point. He adjusts his fez, rests his hands on the handle of his umbrella and says, and what point would that be? Aha! Baffled, eh? Not got a keen detecting brain like me. I tap the side of my head for emphasis, which will work better if I'm not holding my shovel in this hand and don't sug myself about the head with it. I narrow my eyes further. You, on the case. I hold the tea-stained newspaper article in front of his face. 
Ferdinand immediately recoils. Ooh, what a ghastly smell. Some of us aren't afraid of odours when it comes to solving crime, I say, real slick like this. He runs his thumbs under the collar of his tweed jacket in an unbecoming pompous gesture and says, Some of us need not rifle through the rubbish of others to solve crime. I'm about to rebut him with a razor-sharp witticism that's sure to slice off an ear or something when he stops leaning on his umbrella and says, Besides, I'm not on the case. Inspector Angel said he was going to bring me on board, and then he dropped me with no explanation and seems to have hired my arch-nemesis instead. Okay, so if you would like to press your votes button, please. Wonderful panellists, we'll, we'll calculate the numbers as they come in every moment. Let me just, yeah, that's updating nicely, I think. Is that updating? Yeah, that's updating too. Sorry, just doing a check. It's only our third time for the new scoring system. Um, some interesting comments in the uh, in the genius room, as always. Uh, Annie says, enjoying the voice and world building that blurs the line between ours and another, but bit too heavy on exposition on the first page and Hannah kind of says the same thing uh, I like the conversational style but would like something that happens soon it's quite tell just now um, confident writing nice voice what did you think Lee Oh, I'm supposed to put my numbers in now, am I? In this oh, you fancy are. Thing? Yes, you absolutely oh, are. Okay. Caught you by surprise there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did. You did. Um, uh, yeah, crap. Yeah. Even t- t- tell us what you're voting as you do it. That, that'll be interesting. Uh, um, I put I put um, three for the title mm-hmm. um, because um, I, I didn't quite get the two genres there. It, it's it's it, I didn't it's. It's like it's just a procedural. It's just the name of the character. So I didn't quite didn't quite get that. Um, and the blurb just at the very bottom. That was the only time I got that other. Again, it was heavy on the procedural and not necessarily that notion of the magical the magical systems and the and the fact that it is really um, really an intersection of 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 a, a mystery procedural and um, and a fantasy fantasy world, which is actually quite quite advanced it's a high fantasy world in a sense so uh, that that was that um craft i thought it was very well crafted i loved the voice um and bang mm, bang yeah Mm, i don't uh, yeah uh yeah maybe maybe okay i'll vote see if it works Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Let's, um, while you're, you're working out the complexities of our new voting system, I'm going to ask Ali for her first reactions, please. Um, I like the concept. I thought the blurb was good. Um, you know, this, this business of having to solve his own attempted murder and being, you know, the criminal as well as the guy who's solving it. So th- there were lots of things to, to like at that. And a few things sort of tossed in that they'd be burnt at the stake and, you know, um, this, this warlock. So it's got a few things to kind of get get your teeth into. So I like that. Um, and when it set off, I lo- the first few paragraphs, the sh- first few short paragraphs I actually enjoyed. And I mean, a great name to live in sodden westerly. You know, great. Yeah, yeah, several yeah. people said I mean, that. Just, yeah, you know, I thought yeah. that was brilliant too. Um, and th- there was lots of, of touches, which, you know, I thought kind of really gave you a sense, you know, like this this chap, I can't remember what his name is, the, the other chap, um, who, you know, adjusted his fares and, yeah. and something sat above his false moustache. You know, there were nice touches that just kind of got you into him a bit. Hmm. Um, but I thought it, it was very long. There's an awful lot that could be pruned out. Yeah. Um, it was actually, the dialogue was really disjointed. You know, I mean, I think mm. the first thing that happened is he said something like, you know, what's the point or something when he hadn't been asked a question. It just yeah. felt very strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and also, uh, the, 
Go on. Quite a few things in Congress. I mean, it, it was talking about uh, being angels or something, um, the ultra mundane, and then added and and other weird stuff. And you sort of think, well, it's either ultra mundane or it's weird. You know, it just seemed yeah. some bits just didn't quite sort of add up. So I felt yeah. if it was sort of tidied up. But I'm, I like the concept, um, and I thought yeah. with a bit of a bit of sorting out, it could could work really well. Does it remind you of anything, Lee? Is it, is, it, is it an established genre here, or is this kind of sitting in its own sort of space? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit Harry Potter with for mm-hmm. for grown-ups without the uh, without the um, <laughs> but with diversity. And, with diversity, uh, without, yes, that's right. Without, with, with, without, yeah, the, I know uh, what you're going to say. Without J.K. Yes. Rowling, that's right. <laughs> Why not? Let's let's have Harry Potter without J.K. Rowling. I'll be very pleased. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I love. Yeah, I agree with the those touches that those grapefruit eyes and that false moustache. I liked those two. Um, yeah, that opening line with the apple was intriguing, and I want to go back there and find out what that is about. And I think we've already gone too far. You know, we've already gone a little too far to to know to rem- be reminded of that apple. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I think that's but, right. But yeah, yeah. the voice was was very engaging, and uh, I love that touch of humor too and i think that you know we like that don't we at the moment mm. we're looking for some oh, escapism so. absolutely yeah lex is saying yeah. when i went through across the board so let's just have a quick look at uh, how the junior team's gone um it's pretty pretty close actually to to you actually lee um yeah lex says i went through across the board would have upped it to fours if we'd had a nutritional orgasm involved because we did actually last week we did and i think everyone remembers that with uh, great affection um i'm let down week after week says good all right so um LJ, that's a pretty good start, actually. 69, only one frustrating point below our, our leaders so far. Uh, let's move on and see what comes next. When you join our weekly huddle, certain things happen. No, not that. Bring your writing, your book titles, your blurbs, anything really, for expert and sympathetic input. In confidence. Other websites charge a fortune for this kind of thing. In Latopia, the oldest community for writers on the net is included in your modest subscription. Latopia, we're here for you. So here we are. Submission number two. This is unusual. It's going to bring some colour to your cheeks this Sunday afternoon. I swear it is. It's called Bind. It's from Miss Elaine Taylor. Oh, we've got a QR code there too that you can scan. Um, and it's erotic poetry. I don't know we've ever had that before, but there's no reason why we shouldn't. Uh, this is Miss Elaine's blurb. A collection of nicely restrained but suggestive poetry exploring the seldom-seen respectful, romantic, and really rather beautiful side of kink, fantasy, and BDSM relationships. Just bring your imagination, a willingness to experience some strong feelings, and a pair of rosy cheeks. Well, if they're not rosy now, they will be soon. Uh, Let me tell you about uh, Miss Elaine. I'm a single mum of three, recovering perfectionist, I know the feeling. Uh, I'm a hopeless romantic. Uh, I live just outside Edinburgh in a sleepy greenbelt village with my sons and an over-friendly cockapoo named Evie. <laughs> okay. We're not going to go on that. 
Um, I've been writing for many years and published my first book, a collection of feminist fairy tales called The Silver Moon Storybook in 2018. This year, I'm determined to bring the softer, more respectful side of BDSM to the mainstream. And I've been writing moderately filthy poems for my Facebook page under the hashtag Spicy Poetry, which is a very good hashtag, actually. I tell you what, we're going to ask Jeff to give it his very best. Here we go. Bind by Elaine, read by Jeff. Displeased. To be quite honest, your chat has been rubbish for some time now. I am unimpressed, so you can go to your cage and watch alone whilst I slowly rub lemon-scented lotion into my pretty feet just out of your reach. Let's see how much you like that. Tattoo. Usually hidden under all that hair, it means breath in Sanskrit, or unconditional love, depending on which website you believe. In any event, you'll be getting nowhere near it. Must let permit to slowly trace its outlines with your gentle fingers and watch me begin to shiver. Until I see considerable improvements in your behaviour, you can stay in your cage. Rope. Rapidly reaching to the end of his. After two nights of steel bars, cold and lonely on the floor, he decides he's had just about enough of her nonsense. In fact, perhaps it's a time to gently remind her who really wears the breeches. She can start by calling him Sir. Toys. I mean, are they really necessary? Or are two hands and have vivid imaginations actually enough? Asking for a friend. Status update. At this time, I am A, into this, please continue. B, into this, but too busy right now. Please await further instructions. C, not into this, but too kind to ask you to stop it and go away. Vanilla. It's not that I object to sweet and simple. There's so much more flavour out there. Go on, grab a spoon. You can always start small. Perhaps I might suggest raspberry ripple. Steam. Plush lens, gleaming tiles with a mirror to one side, misting over. In the heat, he watches unseen for a while. As the suds run down, circle the drain and disappear. In a moment, he was stepping himself to decide what happens next. Edge. Closer and closer. Every minute, more pressure, more press pleasure, more wild abandon, until suddenly, stop. Let's move this part to elsewhere. See how much longer... You can cope. Neil. It's coming soon. Anticipation building. Nerves on fire under her eye. And as the end begins, he knows she will insist he finishes the job entirely. To his, their and her satisfaction. Bind. Watching her tremble, as slowly he wraps her in ten feet of soft red silk, seeing her skin flicker and quicken under his touch, under scarlet and the star he has placed over her heart the better to hold her with, when he senses she is ready for things to become a little less gentle. Sir, strong arms, hands, chest and a towel around his waist, loose at the knees, not so loose elsewhere, no matter how much you want to see, touch, feel, surrender to the rest, you need to wait, because he is the one in charge. Sweet spot. Nice enough to arrive on time, with the roses and blue eyes twinkling, not so nice that Pushing you firmly against a tree and pulling your hair isn't a thing. Gift. Laced in pink ribbon, white arms woven prettily behind her back, with a bow at the top and bottom. An unusual gift. No need to unwrap. 
before enjoying so we're getting um quite consistent reactions in the junior stream miss elaine um and i i got this written down as well um about what you you poets technically technically call end stops uh punctuation marks and i think a lot of people are finding those quite difficult in incidentally con congratulations jeff i think jeff is with us at the moment he just made a comment in fact um it's it, it was interesting how jeff decided sometimes to interpret them as full stops but quite often just to, to flow on and that possibly is not exactly what you wanted i'm not sure though anyway uh first reactions lee please um i absolutely love the love the title um oh i'm supposed to be putting it in now but i'll you talk are. first <laughs> <laughs> um i love the title and um and i and i think there's i think there's definitely bang i think come valentine's day there'll be people looking for something a little bit different oh, right, let's okay. get, yeah let's get let's get one of these i mean i was i would have yeah depending on the price i probably would have clicked on that and said yes i'll buy that and just have a fantastic well, and, well that's um, that's a brilliant recommendation um, actually yeah, yeah. I think I think the blurb was fun. Uh, maybe two rosy cheeks, sets of rosy cheeks, not just one pair of rosy cheeks. I don't yeah, know. That's what quite talking oh, yes. about. Um, Here we go. But, um, Gonna get banned by YouTube again. Uh, um, but I agree with everyone else regarding the punctuation, and I think the the crafting needs a little bit of work. There's the poems are very a little bit samey. The one the, I did like the status the status update. Um, that was just a little bit quirky and fun. I but not necessarily in keep it. I think I think what the problem is is the poems don't quite they don't quite hold up to the blurb. So they're not quite giving us quite exactly the naughtiness that we might have expected. The, the well, it's only the first there, few pages. I mean, you, you, listen, listen to Lee here. I mean, she's just getting way ahead of herself. Well, um, you know, yeah. uh, it's what you are. It's the contract you set with the reader, right? So, yeah. so this 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 blurb has set up a certain a certain expectation, and I don't think these poems are quite delivering yet. Um, yet. So, okay. I, yeah, but. But it might be the punctuation that's putting me off. I'm not sure. I might need to see them, you know, okay. presented. Okay. Okay. Press, press your vote button, Lee. Yes, uh, Ali, first yes reactions, I will. Please. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree about the the punctuation, and and Jeff did a brilliant job to just ignore it really and and yeah. read it as it should have flowed. Yeah. And had he not done that, it would have been like me talking like this you know it just yeah. would have been horrible and staccato and really really dull yeah. um I, they were all they they're roughly the same sort of type of theme the same roughly the same length the same rhythm um apart from yeah those two that one the status update and toys um which actually had a bit more sort of um uh, a bit more interest to them uh, yeah. so and some of them were i don't know i think poetry should you should tell a story or should raise an emotion or to ask some questions and and some of them just really kind of rambled on really and it almost could have been a recipe for cooking courgettes i don't know it, it just didn't kind of you know <laughs> a recipe for cooking courgettes so you, could, you could you could actually have that on as on, on the back as a blurb actually couldn't you an endorsement <laughs> from annie and everybody will well, think yes but what does she mean I'm by courgettes right. cooking Cautious, yeah. it would definitely be on <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like toys, I like the last line, you know, that touch of humour, you know, going off in one direction yes. and, you know, very human kind of little kick at the end. And something like that, if, if that could be done better than, than just a sort of a... a Ramble's the wrong word, but, you know, a bit more of a sort of a drift on without really going anywhere. Right. So, um, okay, all right. Very interesting indeed. I think, you know what, I think... 
probably like BDSM itself, actually, Miss Elaine. Um, I think it's going to polarise people. Um, I, sadly, I didn't give it a very high commercial rating. Totally opposite of Lee. Um, and I, I can absolutely <laughs> see, I can see both points of view. It's just that, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking in my own fairly narrow way, who would I take this to? Who would I sell it to? I don't really know, actually. Might be a criticism of me as an agent, actually. I don't know enough people who would publish this. But certainly, you've got one sale already <laughs> to, to, yeah, to, to Lee. She's definitely going to press that buy button on Amazon. Um, the other thing, though, is I think more of a generalised... I think there's more, more people saying in, in the Genius Room that... They do, as Ali has just said very uh, comprehensively, really, that it is a, the, the technique you're using is one trick pony. It's just, it's, it seems quite fractured um, and it just cuts things up. And I think Jeff sensibly took the decision to sort of to ignore that for at least some of the reading. Makes it a bit disjointed, forces the reader to pause a bit, which is okay sometimes, but not, not every line. Every line, I think that's going to get bit much if it's the whole book like that but you know what poetry is so idiosyncratic isn't it i mean who knows um still a pretty good score there i think i hope you're pleased with it shall we um shall we see what's next leave a comment for today's authors on youtube they want to know what you think okay so here we go submission number three of the day <gasps> where are we going to go next i wonder on a sunday afternoon YA fantasy, that's where we're going. It's Jackie V, and it's called The Book of Yo. I'm going to say Yo, but it might be EO. It might be EO, actually. I don't have a pronunciation guide. You know, and I just say at this point, please, if you are sending anything that could be uh, mispronounced, please do send pronunciation guides and also personal pronouns. Um, that's, that's pretty important. Um, we did get a personal pronoun, although I didn't have to use it, actually, um, from LJ. So. If you want to give us that information, it helps, really. So here's the blurb. Teen Witch Yo gains the power to talk with animals. Utilising her unique skills, she investigates the unsolved murder of her classmate. As she hunts down clues, Yo comes to believe that the mistreatment of magical and mundane animals ought to be considered just as much of a crime as murder. But Aradia is built on the foundation that witches are superior to all other beasts. And Yo's just a girl. She can't even talk to her crush without stuttering. How is she supposed to transform her world? Let me tell you about Jackie. Um, it can be EO or IO. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> My pronunciation expert. Um, I have an MFA in fiction, MA in education, BA in English literature. I'm also a vegan. Why, it's a vegan show today. We haven't done this on purpose, honestly. I mean, unless Emily has. But, uh, wow, vegan show today. We're in the minor a majority for a change. Isn't that amazing? And an animal rights activist. So I decided it was time for someone to write a compelling story for the increasing number of teens who are passionate, or just a little curious, about putting an end to speciesism. I think it's so strange we've got all these submissions today. They're vegan. How, how interesting. It does happen like that on the show, actually. You might have noticed before that themes somehow naturally emerge. I don't know how to attribute that. One that addre addresses animal rights issues in a fun, flashy way. Well, fun and flashy for those who are into mysterious murders, the 90s, and secret fantastical worlds hidden just out of sight. And I mean, who isn't? 
I live in the Pacific Northwest, though I grew up in California. Currently, I'm grinding away on the second book in the series. Complete, detailed outlines available on request. And I'm delighted to inform you that it's going to be Kay who's going to be reading it. Book of Law by Jackie V. Read by Kay. Chapter 1. Lotus Moon. Horses don't talk, but when I'm with Barbaro, I can sense what he's thinking. We trot out of the barn, into the dawn. The sun lights the two of us up, casting shadows on the dry grass as it peaks up above the canyon to the east. Our silhouette looks mythic, a half-girl, half-horse composite. Barbaro's whole body trembles with anticipation for the freedom of the track. We're the only pair out here this early. I grip his reins and my riding crop tight, lift up out of the saddle. My boots press against the stirrups. My body raises up out of the saddle, straining to strike the perfect balance between poised and loose. I squeeze my calves tight against Barbaro. He reads my signal, begins to canter, breaks into a full gallop. I seep into him, this magnificent hulk of muscle that seems somehow to be an extension of me. My mind shifts away from the dread I woke up with, crystallises, empties of everything but Barbaro and the track spread out before us. My body makes small automatic adjustments to keep myself in harmony with his grander, more powerful movements. Round and round the track we soar, until we're both soaked in sweat and the sun's moved above the Santa Anita Canyon into the pastel blue summer sky. I dismount, walk Barbaro around the track a couple of times to cool him down. His lungs wheeze, heavy, rhythmic. The morning's already burning up. It's not even 7am yet. Once we're back in the shaded barn, I loosen Barbaro's clinch so he can breathe easier. Then I remove his saddle and bridle, checking for any new sores. But no, his skin is clear. My hands slide over the smooth arc of his long ribs. He's mostly white with a few black patches here and there. After he drinks some water, I hose him down. The steam splashes off him onto me. I don't mind. It's a sweet relief from the July heat and there's no use trying not to smell like a wet horse today. I rub Barbaro's legs down, pick his hoofs for him. He's looking good so far. Even though I know it's dangerous, I let myself feel a bit of hope rise up inside me. I can't give him anything substantial before a race, so I bring him some hay. Let him graze around while I take a moment to stretch out my neck, spine. Leaning up against the wooden fence, I watch Barbaro's movements like the world depends on what I see. There's no stiffness in his muscles, no unevenness in his steps. Relieved, I brush a few loose strands of my frizzy dark hair behind my ears, allow myself a deep breath for the first time in hours. I'm always like this on race days, or test days, and Mondays, Fridays too, pretty much all days. I don't exactly do calm and mellow. As if sensing my mood, Barbaro approaches me, nudges my arm with his warm nose. He wants grain, but I won't give him any until after we've raced. Sorry, boy, I say, but I don't really mean it. He knows what to expect on race days. It's the price of competition, of winning. I stroke his nose the way he likes. His nose and mouth are charcoal, just like most of his face. I run my fingers over the pristine white diamond between his dark eyes. They're wet, deep, like small pools. 
rimmed with thick lashes I love to feel fluttering against my cheeks. We spend a few minutes like this, content with one another, our closeness. Then I start brushing his piebald coat, ridding his mane of all the tangles that have formed up yet again. Honestly, he's worse than me. Riders come and go out of the barn as the morning progresses, but I pay them no attention. I can be single-minded to a fault, or so I've been told. I concentrate on smoothing Barbaro's wild hair. Eventually, my mind betrays me with a neon image of Alison holding up a golden trophy in her tan hand, nails painted the prettiest of pinks. Just like last time, just like every time, as if on cue, I hear her tinkling laugh. Oh, Equify, yeah. Um, so let's just pause for a moment and have a look at the geniuses as they, as they're never slow to, to come forwards. And uh, it's always so interesting, I think, to see how there is a sort of a confluence, really, of, uh, of reactions here. Um, and what can I point out to you? Yeah, it's a bit smaller moment, so we haven't really fixed that yet, but we will in, 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 in due course. So Anne Cora, who actually was our narrator today, it's always interesting hearing from the person who reads it, because they kind of see it from a different perspective. Um, some nice writing and a nice voice coming through, but I thought bits were too staccato. Other people have said that. And there was no story to get get involved in, which I felt might have been better to start with. Okay, and Annie follows up and agrees, basically. I can tell the author can write, but I feel like we're not going anywhere. I'd start with the race itself. Now, I actually happen to, to rather like this writing, but I'd like to know what you think, Ali. Um, I agree. And I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a very competent piece of writing and it, it does produce an awful lot of images in your mind. Um, and the writer is clearly trying to, to get a strong sense of the bond between writer and horse, uh, or main character rather, and horse. Um, and, and I think that's, that's terrific. Um, I think the blurb actually gave a very good feeling that it was going to be romance. And of course, this problem yeah. of how you can actually yeah. change the world, etc., is actually... Um, it's right among there with the, um, you know, that's sort of YA problem, as it were. How will I transfer a world? So I, I like the blurb and I like the sort of concept of what we're going into. But it really did bang on an awful lot without going anywhere. By the end of that entire excerpt, I think we'd, we'd been around the racetrack a few times and the horse had had some hay. Um, and I probably knew... But I don't know. I, I, I had no empathy with the with the main character. I, it was a why should I care? Um, so apart from the That's fact that she liked horses, which is always a point in their favour. That's but, interesting. You know, yeah. I didn't actually kind of have any any strong sort of feeling towards them. I'll um, tell you something actually. So, sorry, just to interrupt. I mean, and I, I want you to finish as well, please. But I actually, funnily enough, you having you heard you just say that i actually had more empathy with the horse and that's not supposed to be a funny remark i think i think i got to know that horse better yeah. than i got to know the narrator funnily enough mm. Mm. Yeah, except for the narrator was worried all the time which seemed to be the main characteristic yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last line, we actually had something happening, which made you think, oh, hang on a minute. You know, there is a story here, as it were. There's something happening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, no, it was, it was a very competently put together piece other than it just needed to get somewhere an awful lot quicker than I that. think there's a general feeling this maybe is the wrong place to start. Oh, I think the, the genius room is pretty much saying that. But what do you think, Lee? Well, I didn't like the title. Um, no. That seems like something, I don't know, 
in a Greek mythology or something. I don't yeah. know. It just doesn't seem like teen yeah. teen witch mystery with talking animals or you know someone who can speak to animals. So uh, you know, and a bit of a coming of age. Actually, I didn't see that anywhere. I mean, I read a story about Follyfoot and. It didn't seem like the, the actual reading didn't seem like anything like the the blurb. So where uh, was the magic? And yeah. you know where was the superpowers? And where was the murder? You know, like so. It's like the blurb was telling us the story of a completely, you know, and from it was completely different from the excerpt. It didn't. They, they were, there was a mismatch there. So, um, but the blurb itself is a pretty generic, you know, um, sort of mystery you know, witchy coming of age sort of story with some with the with a cool theme. I think kids really like that idea of, you know, yeah. of, of classism and um so I think that the actual blurb, I, I would probably read that book with if you gave it a little bit more bang. That mm. um that blurb, but I think there's demand for that particular book. Mm. Um but that's not what the excerpt was. Uh and I agree with people about the fragmenting of the in general, I think um when I'm writing at least i like to use fragments for um just to create to create tension and to to give us that uh, uh that that speed that pacing and here it just kind of was used to sort of slow the whole thing down which yeah. seemed rather strange so yeah. um yeah uh it was it's, actually sort of pedestrian i think she said the character said i don't do calm and mellow and yet the whole scene seemed calm and mellow to it me. was i like that Actually, I, I, I don't, I mean, you know, I'm a hopeless sort of optimist. I, In the context of the opening few pages, I don't know it's noisy enough to get attention, really. But I did feel yeah. that sense of calmness and mellowness that um, I think was really nice, actually. It's almost intimate, and that's great. I think the ability to create that, Jackie, is, is, a, is a great tribute to you. Um, but I've personally had to sort of mark it down in terms of commercial bang because i don't think it's the right place to start to be honest it's a bit quiet but still a very nice sense of moment i thought i'm absolutely there i can feel the affection but it just just needs a bit more punch that's my feeling anyone want to add anything to to that deathly silence Obviously shot everybody, yeah. is, is it said in the 90s was that was that one of the statements that was said early on the book is set kind of in the 90s was that yeah was that just yeah i'm getting a bit yeah. confused with that because I, there is a sub-genre that kate mentioned uh, earlier the equify which i'd completely forgotten about i don't even know if it exists still it might do actually someone in the genius room will undoubtedly tell me maybe even kate whether equify is still going it sounds like an insurance company um but it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's it was quite a big genre actually in its day you know usually female readers usually quite young and horsey fiction basically equify heavens above um good okay we are absolutely on board with that let's just look at the scores are very very tightly bunched though. let's have a look at the leaderboard the show leaderboard not the monthly one isn't that tight my word got two more submissions the newspaper murders interesting and the society of american fakirs that's an interesting title too but before we do that i think we should probably see what's going on with lee now lee i've been hearing things about you i've been seeing pictures what's this 
Those are those Bram Stoker awards. They're very heavy, actually, oh. and they've arrived. And um, and uh, I don't know, they must have cost a fortune to post, but I'm very oh, excited yeah. to get them. I didn't get Isn't to that... go to the gala. Oh, beautiful. Brilliant. Where would the gala have been? Um, it was Denver. It was supposed to be Denver, oh, but it ended up being shame. online because of COVID. So two years in yeah. a row now. So, um, but um, yeah, and I recorded a, 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 a congratulatory, you know, like thank you speech in something like February, thinking, oh well, that'll be the end of that, and no one will see that. So that was really yeah. strange to see <laughs> it come out of the vault. And I mean, it's yeah, not not many yeah, people can I, say they, they've they've won this award twice. I mean, how many people have actually done that? I don't know the numbers. I just know mm. that only one New Zealander has ever won two of these, and um, yeah, so pretty. I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited actually. I haven't slept much this this month, and you know, it's kind of yeah. not quite raised me to the level of a football player here in New Zealand. But, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a mega star in town now. Oh God. And, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll that'll to, be the day. We'll have to pay you more. <laughs> I have to pay you more to come on. So I'll pay you something to come on the show. Oh my goodness! Let's uh, let's let's do a quick um, ad for your latest and greatest. Mark my words. What's this? Oh, actually, this is an overgrown webinar um, handout. Oh. <laughs> um, I did a. I was working with Angela Yuriko Smith, who's one of my Black Cranes contributor, and actually, she's this year's HWA Mentor of the Year. Hmm. Um, and we were doing a doing a um, webinar for StokerCon on, you know, basically getting your submission ready. The sort of thing we're talking about right here, you know, doing your yeah. blurb, getting the ten, getting your your um, piece of writing up to scratch, so you can send it out to publishers and so um, we put together a handout and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and so then we thought okay we just put it out as a book the the essence is Um, what is it is it is is this about self-editing the hell of a task for anyone to do really Uh, what's the essence yeah Yeah, it is okay it is the real the reality of of it is is we both we're both mentors and and uh, editors and so we thought we're saying the same things over and over to to our mentees and you know so here's a place where we put some of that stuff and actually we've got quotes from I think something like 30 or 40 um, publishers and editors in the horror business and so oh. um, it's not just for horror writers but we just I, I collected those colleagues and, and their comments so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's have a quick look at your website because I know everybody will want to rush off and see I mean you're so <laughs> such a prolific person you've written across an extraordinary number of genres actually I mean obviously horror we know about that but military thrillers supernatural crime noir been very involved in uh, well you co-founded young New Zealand writers and so on and so on and so on what's your favourite genre um, yeah I think kind of horror and speculative are really my place um, but I'm really enjoying and you know exploring this whole sort of Asian diaspora in my in my mm. dark fiction now so that's been mm. interesting I think we just we just move don't we depending on you know where our interests lie and um, yeah. yeah so that seems to be the thing that I'm uh, moving towards at the well, moment that's, int- so. that, that's very interesting because writers obviously I mean you know they, they're nothing if not lively minded and they, they want, to, want to do something they want to move on do something else and usually the publishers, you know, especially if you had a, had a significant hit in a particular area, usually the publishers say, hold on, no, don't do that. You don't write in that genre. Just do do more of the same. Do more of what you did last year. We'll have a few more of those. So there's all those sort of commercial, you know, pressures not to, to innovate. Um, do you 
I mean, do you find your readers follow you from one genre to the other, or is it kind of horror people stay to horror? Well, obviously you know? not the children's readers, but um, yeah. Oh. Uh, look, I think I think commercially this is not a good decision. Do you know? Um, you know, mm-hmm. you should probably you know write write, write five. You know, churn out five five of the same books and, and yeah. you'll keep the readership. Yeah. And so that's probably right. Your your agent is probably telling you that, right, Peter? Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I don't. I don't do that. I write what resonates for me and I hope that it resonates for readers and yeah. I haven't had too much trouble getting it picked up. So I guess, um, yeah, don't do what I do, not do what I do, you know. Don't like, do what, uh, just, uh, <laughs> don't do do what I do. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, just, but I do think if, if you don't enjoy what you're writing and you, you don't enjoy yeah. exploring it, it's going to yeah. show in the writing. Yeah, it so. absolutely does. That's right. Yeah, and what shows in your writing is your amazing enthusiasm. Actually, again, you know, well done. I mean, it's it is a seriously good thing to have done two Bram Stoker Awards. So everyone on Topia is incredibly impressed, and we all, you know, we all send you virtually uh, from one part of the globe to the other i mean you know the communications here is just extraordinary actually yeah many many congratulations as rk thank you so much we have two more submissions for you to look at today lee and this is number four my word what a short blurb this is from bruce and it's a whodunit Uh, And it's called The Newspaper Murders. It's not going to take me long to read this, is it? Written by possibly the last newspaper boy to see Agatha Christie alive. What better credentials could there be? Don't know, actually. Don't ask me. Um, And this is your bio. (laughs) Never had such a short... What a strange show this is today. Um, Two words. See above. Okay. All right, so I get it. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to ask Kate, please and thank you, to give it your very best. The Newspaper Murders by Bruce, read by Kate. Preface. It is fitting that I started this novel whilst spending the night in a house just two doors down from the house in which Agatha Christie died. She'd lived in the Winterbrook area near Wallingford in Oxfordshire for years, and by some fluke my sister and her husband, an old friend of mine, had inherited the house from a lady with whom my old friend once lodged. When I say the house was two doors down, that does not mean that I could actually see Agatha's old house from my bedroom window, nor pop around to complain about the noise, because the houses in the area are large. They're not ostentatiously large, not as large as you would perhaps expect someone who has sold more than two billion books to have lived, but they are pretty impressive nonetheless. Anyway, I had a good night's sleep and woke to found that I had written 500 words the previous night. I looked out of the window to the Reading Road to see that things were carrying on as they presumably always had done in the days before, during and now after Agatha. Builders' vans whizzed past, Tesco delivery vans rushed even faster, maids scuttled to their work, and a gardener made his way up the path to an adjacent house. So, as various deliveries were made, my mind continued to race. The area in which Agatha lived was alive with the possibilities for murder and death. No wonder she did so well. But the main thing I was thinking as I went down to breakfast with my sister and my dear old friend 
was how lucky they had been to inherit such a house. People had presumably murdered for less. Herbert Davidson You'll not believe this news story, darling. It's unbelievable. Mike Springer looked up from his electronic tablet briefly and waved it towards his wife Jennifer, as though it were a real newspaper. He continued with enthusiasm whilst reading. Chap just down the road from here, well in the posh part over the other side of the river, comes a cropper, dead, and you'll never believe how. Take some believing. Jennifer was well used to the hyperbole, and knew full well that Mike would tell her the full story whether she liked it or not, and that there would be a fair bit of editorial contribution. "'What's that? You say it takes some believing?' she asked mildly. "'Right, chap. Funny-looking chap from the picture. Bit of a bigwig, by all accounts. My guessing right up there, in the Masons at the very least, gets up in the morning. That's, um, oh, it was Wednesday morning, just yesterday. Can you believe that?' I'm guessing that he was probably not entirely sober, judging by the size of him. Big, ruddy face, Billy Bunter-like, but old, if you know what I mean. Yeah, even first thing, still not sober, well, you won't believe what happened. Mike continued to familiarise himself precisely with the storyline, wide-eyed. What won't I believe? Jenny asked, trying not to encourage. Well, he gets his paper from the mat, great big house, shows it here. I'm guessing two million at the very least, probably more depending on the inside. So, he gets his paper, says here that he did the same thing every day. Heads for the dining room, or, or it calls it a smoking room here, like he always did for breakfast. I'm guessing the works, full English and by a maid, and somehow manages to take a left rather than straight on, and falls headfirst down to the cellar. Fifteen stairs on an angle. Ouch! Was he okay? Well, what do you think? Obviously not. As I said, dead. I mean, he had a lot of fat on him, but not enough on his head to survive the bang. <laughs> not enough to save him. What? So, dead? As a dodo. But that's not the main thing. Christ, poor sod. So what else? Poor sod, right. But as he falls, the newspaper, I'm guessing it's one of the big right-wing show-off papers, is thrown into the air and comes to land fully open on the obituaries page. Well, right, but why is that so interesting? I mean, it could have landed anywhere on any page. Because, and this is plain spooky, the dead guy, Herbert Davidson, it says his name is, I sure I've heard that name before, somewhere or sometime, is lying there dead and his index finger is pointing directly to the obituary pages and to some bloke who died here, well, in the town, on this side of the river a week ago. I mean, you've got to say, weird. And this is a reliable site, I think. So, Ali, this is um, this is a genre we see quite a lot of actually, because it's a very commercial genre. Sort of, it's cosy crime, cosy fiction, cosy murder. Um, first question to you: um, Is this the genre you read? Um, I do an amount. Yeah, I quite like something mm. a bit brainless. It's easy well, reading, isn't it? Tree. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, with not too many surprises or too many you know, graphic beheadings or anything else like that. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it it is. Um, but I found this one I actually found quite irritating in in its repetitions. Um, it, it, I mean, the the author clearly wanted us to be anchored in the the whole concept that this was 
uh, unbelievable. But I think they they used the word something three, four times, maybe more. Um, yeah. And you sort of think, well, I've got it now. You know, it is actually fairly unbelievable. Um, and I think that there's a great art in writing dialogue and 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 I don't think this was it as it were you know you don't report truly what people say you know you don't add in all the ums and ahs and two sugars please and you know stir it just once or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and, and this kind of rambling on not getting anywhere there were a few lovely touches you know the fact that he the bloke had a full English probably served by a maid actually gives quite a good picture of the guy um, it does, and, yeah. And, and yeah. there was also quite a nice sort of um, sinister comment with something um, about presumably people had been murdered for less. And you think, ooh, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, certainly, I mean, from, from the blurb, I didn't know where it was going. You know, I, uh, I didn't know what kind of, you know, crime, you know, or, you know, whether it was actually sort of reported, as it were. And uh, I didn't have a feeling about what was happening. Mm. Um, and, and I just, it didn't feel sparky. It didn't punch yeah. me between the eyes. I just, you know, inside I'm thinking, get on with it, please. I felt a little like I was wading through treacle. I think it's like the guy falling with his finger on a newspaper. I don't think that's weird at all. He could have fallen, you know, with his finger on a bottle of Chateau Lafitte or, I don't know, his grandmother's, yeah. grandmother's broom. I don't know. You know, just, yeah. you, you kind of have to fall somewhere. I was um, expecting so something slightly more uh, you know, yes, cons- confusing yeah. or, or um, astounding that, you know, that his finger yes. actually was pointing to his very obituary <gasps> yes. or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. But, would it, would yeah. Have been, yeah. Okay. Um, so, Ali, press your buttons, please. Oop, yep. On the case. Slightly Good. slowly on the case, but yeah. sorry. Um, Lee. Actually, there we go. Well, you need your I thoughts. should have been doing something then. I haven't done that. I haven't, oh, I haven't pressed the button dear, yet. Dear. It's oh, all these exciting buttons. Well, you've got a good um, excuse because yeah, it's about three o'clock in the morning with you. So that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be too hard on you this time. Okay, good. Phew. Um, I, the title is, is, is right. It fits the genre. Um, and, but it doesn't zing. It didn't really zing for me. I just didn't think it, it didn't, was anything. I don't know, maybe there's others out there with that same title. It just didn't quite zing for me. Um, oh. The blurb was intriguing, and it did yeah, say that, yeah. you know, just saying the name Agatha Christie, and it obviously he's been to one of your courses, Peter, and knows that, you know, you only get 50 oh. words in at the top oh. of an Amazon. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I I've done it. I've done it once to New Zealand writers. That's all. Oh, okay, all right. So, so I- oh, we're, we're privileged here in New Zealand oh, to have thank that, you, thank that, you. Those, uh, those insights. But... Um, but you know, I think it definitely intrigued me that that mm. it is something different that that blur. But it didn't quite tell me quite enough. Although with I guess in combination with that 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 title, a newspaper murders, it does. So that, that does give you a little bit more information. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure about the time. You know, I, it it felt like okay. So Agatha Christie per- time period was it Agatha Christie time period? We talk about maids, and I know maybe that's yeah. just England. We don't have many of those here. Oh, you don't so, have maids? Um, oh, I never knew that. No, oh, not really. No. So, uh, well, I don't think, well, I don't I think I'll visit your country in that case. My place, damn it. <laughs> so, um, but I just I wasn't quite sure because. Then there was this electronic tablet, and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, what time period are we actually in? Yeah. So I would have liked a better, yeah. stronger yeah. indication, although the sense yeah. of place was really good. I did sort of feel sort of suburban England, you know, quite nicely. That that was that was good. Totally agree with Alison about the um, the um, 
dialogue being sort of waffly and a bit of exposition in between. So you're telling us what you're telling us. You know, I didn't really mm. think we needed needed that. Maybe um, those action beats around would have would have done some of the work that the dialogue um, was intended to do. You know, the sort of the, the jumping from place to place and being a little distracted and putting their mm. opinions in. You know, the the husband. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, and I think that the if you'd have used some more action beats, that might have done the the, the work for you um, without all those ellipses, which sort of got very tiring, I think, to read. I don't know, because I was concentrating a little bit on the way it was read, which was beautiful. We did get mm. that feeling, and the voice seemed nice. But I think if you're reading it on the page, you would find that very distracting. I think that's right. Ellipses. Yes, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. And I, I, often I think that to myself, and sometimes I even say it aloud, aloud that actually our narrators do, do lift pieces, and sometimes I actually have to kind of zero out the narration and just look at the words and think, actually, okay, it's, so it's coming over. Yeah, so uh, are you pushing your buttons, Ellie? Yeah, I'm pushing some buttons. I'm doing them. I'm doing good. them. Oh, Fantastic. sorry. Good, 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 good. That's <laughs> all right. That's as long as long as you remember. Only one more uh, vote to go. Let's just look at. Um, yeah. So, so uh, Bruce, um, genius room. Freeze frame it now. If you're watching the recording on YouTube, read what everyone is saying. You you will find some common themes there. Really invaluable stuff. I mean, you could pay thousands easily these days, you know, for a writing course from somebody, and uh, you won't get this this degree of coherent feedback. I think that's that's probably what we're offering. Um, my own vote. Um, the title's all right. Yeah, t don't mind the title. I'm giving that a three. Um, Let's just see. Yes, Lee's have come through, and it's six is right. You really like the blurb. I kind of like the blurb, but I'm giving it two at the moment because I need a bit more, to be honest. I need a little bit more than that. It's a bit too cheeky, and I really don't know what it's about, actually. So it's there's a bit of a hook in the blurb, and that's okay. Your bio, we're not, we're not marking on bio, um, but you could have given us a little bit more. And if you're making a submission to you know to an agent or to a publisher they honestly they will really need to know about you um the interesting stuff so this is an opportunity really to sort of you know to roll it out and get a reaction from people on that and if you don't then it's kind of a bit of bit of a waste really from your point of view um craft i've given it only two stars and bang i've only given it two stars i like your chatty style you've got a very chatty style yana and the junior stream says too many ellipses couldn't agree more with that you've got a huge great dollops of um you know of dialogue which is kind of unnatural in, in in books i mean it's expecting a huge amount from the reader and i think our narrator really did lift it and finally you have you, you know it's a perfect example of why you shouldn't have a prologue actually don't get me started on that um, I think your prologue was completely wasted. So there you go. But even say you still got 51, I hope you're not going home unhappy. And we actually have um, one more before the end of the show. Oh, we've got a comment. My word. We've been commented on. We comment on your manuscripts all the time. You can comment on ours. Why not? This is from Liam. 
Actually, Liam's one of my winners, isn't he, at the moment? Um, hey, Emily, that's not me. Uh, just tune in and watch the replay. I was all geared up, ready to watch, but my wife went into labour. We, I've never, I don't know. The power of pop-up submissions is extraordinary. Over the weekend, and now I'm a daddy. You didn't even know, did you? This is pop-up submissions. You make a submission and it happens. Sorry, I couldn't tune in, so pleased that I won, but equally so frustrated, as in the very next paragraph, something massive happens. Oh, well. Good advice, though, and pleased I won. We all are. Our last submission of the day is from Joan. I think Joan's around. I think Joan's with us. It's historical fiction. You've got a QR code there, too. Zoom off right now to wherever she wants to take you to. And it's called The Society of American Fakirs. And this is Joan's blurb. It's 1902. A young Alvin Zeller dreams of leaving his family farm to become an artist. A chance encounter with Manhattan's art patron, Samuel Shaw, leads to Alvin's enrolment at the Art Students League of New York. Over the following years, he builds a career as an illustrator while social and technological changes shape the city. When the outbreak of World War I disrupts his comfortable life and thwarts his engagement to beautiful Ouija Yuri, Alvin realises he must change with times. Okay. Hello, Joan. We're delighted you're here. Uh, let me tell everybody about you now. No doubt to your acute embarrassment, but oh, never mind. It'll be over soon. Uh, the Society of American Fakirs was inspired by a recently discovered box of my grandfather's keepsakes. This is a good story, isn't it? <clears throat> um, using newspaper archives and the Smithsonian Institute's Archives of American Art to research the items, I pieced together a story of my grandfather's time spent as an illustrator in New York City, including his involvement in the student club of the Society of American Fakirs. This will be my first novel, and it combines my passion for genealogy and writing. I'm editor for the yearly publication of the Pontius Family Association. Wow, the PFA. Uh, and have self-published my father's letters from his military service. Originally from Pittsburgh, I now live in Maryland with my husband in our free time. We enjoy horseback riding in the state parks. How very nice. Um... I think what we'll do, because we started with Emily, didn't we? I think we'll end the show with Emily. Would you please, Emily? Thank you. The Society of American Farqueurs by Joan. Read by Emily. Chapter 1. The Crane in the Pond. Jack, the caretaker of the Zeller duck farm, killed a water crane, which had gotten in among the ducks. The bird, which stood four feet tall, would be mounted. The Stroudsburg Gazette, July 10th. 1902. Get it, get it, get it, I hollered. Watch out for its claws. Jack had the crane's body and wings under one arm and his other hand clenched around the beak, but the bird's one good leg flailed at his wading boots while the broken one dangled helplessly. Our farm's ducks were squawking and flapping and, in trying to escape the commotion, crowded alongside the pond's fencing. Jack finally got his hand around the crane's neck, pulled it down and snapped it. The bird went limp. While Jack was carrying it back to us, its head dangled from the body and the beak dipped into the pond. Don't let it get dirty, I yelled, and Jack smiled, raising the bird high up above his head with a yes, sir, 
but with doing that he slid a few times on the slippery bottom of the pond. My older brother Bud, standing next to me, grabbed my arm, spun me around and glared down at me. Don't you think he's already done enough pulling that thing out of its misery? But I want to draw it. I tried to pull my arm away to no avail. Back then, Bud still had twenty pounds and three inches on me. His breath, which was always awful, now included the stench of cigarettes. Bud finally pushed me aside. Oh, I forgot. You're the next Audubon. Oh, you forgot, I retorted, taking another few steps away from him. Seems you also forgot how old you are. Dad said we can't smoke until we're twenty-one. You stink like an ashtray. Bud turned to glare at me, and I prepared myself to dodge a punch. But Jack was about to reach the fence, prompting one of Bud's transformations from Mr Hyde back into Dr Jekyll. He smiled and opened the gate for Jack. Jack handed the crane to me and started scraping some of the mud off his boots. I folded the crane's legs under the body, curled its neck and top, and ran my finger along the circle of dark plumage that ran around its eyes and down to its beak. Just then, the house porch bell clanged. It was our mother. In the distance, I could see her waving at us. Mom's back from Manhattan, Bud said. Go throw the bird on the manure pile. Manure pile? I told you, I'm going to draw it. Draw it on the pile then. Here, give it to me. It's going to start stinking. I'm not giving it to you. Go throw yourself on the manure pile. Mother called out using her woo to get our attention, followed by Alvin, come back to the house. But I didn't need encouragement. I was already headed in that direction. By the time I reached the house, my mom was seated at the kitchen table going through the four days' worth of mail that had accumulated while she was away. My dad was heating some water for tea. I held up the bird to the screen door so they could see it. Hi, Mom. How is New York? Look, Dad. Jack got the crane out of the pond. Mom didn't look up from her stack of papers. Dad came outside to look. That's a nice-sized sandhill crane, Alvin. We should take that to the taxidermist. How did it break its leg? Don't know what was like that last night. Maybe it got stuck in some fencing? He took the bird and held it in both hands to judge the weight. Hmm, ten, eleven pounds? He looked at me and nodded. Good weight. My mother finally looked up, sighed at the crane and wagged her index finger at me. Leave that outside. Come in and have a seat. Oh my God, guys, straight to Ali for her first visceral reaction. Um, I liked it actually. I, I thought it was well written. Um, very smooth, very confident writing. It, you got straight in with what was actually ha- happening. Very much a sense of, of place and time. Um, who the main character? You know what our actor, act, sorry, anchor mm. was, mm. and and you know his goals even. Um, so I, I think it was it was very well done. It did drag on a bit. Um, I, I thought that it could have been pruned down, edited down a bit. Um, but I did find myself actually simply listening. Um, at points rather than, you know, actually sort of looking at the writing as such. It was, you know, I was drawn along by the story. So I liked it very much. I thought it was well done. I thought the the, the blurb again gave an ex- excellent um, sense of sort of the direction of the story and uh, a sense of the time we were. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you've just said, actually. Um, the uh, Genius Room is saying Annie really enjoyed it. 
uh, Arcane says, feels like a prologue. It might be, actually. I've got, I've got, that's one of my, I think the only reservation I've got about this really is, um, how's it, has it got legs? Is it going to continue? Because it certainly is quite a, quite a gripping op- opening scene, quite a nasty scene. It's, it reminds me a bit of John Irving, actually. It's got that, that feeling he's su- you're setting up the family and, you know, we're just going to, the, the years are going to roll by and we're going, it's a bit of a coming of age here. Uh, what is, what, which, what was it? Hotel New Hampshire, wasn't it? That was the one. Um, so yeah I don't know that the story is going to pick up that's my only concern if it doesn't then it's just going to meander and sort of peter out so yeah but we don't know we don't know Lee what did you think yeah um, I did like the title I thought that was intriguing Mm. Um, I think the blurb was we needed um I think we needed some stakes. I don't quite know. Uh, mm. Just a little bit. This is my life. Here's this, mm. here's my life. You know, and then World War Two intervened. So um, I would have liked kind of what the stakes were around that. I would have liked to know what Emily thought of this excerpt actually, because um, isn't because she's an artist, and so I, I'd be. It was interested to know how she, what her perceptions were reading this, because well, she's, um, um, Emily but, is. Know, she's, she's actually said uh, she's. I thought the writing was great and flows. Oh yeah, definitely does flow. Uh, like the characterizations yeah. too. So she's basically on, on board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Topic wise. Yeah. Um. Mm. Uh, I. Uh, yeah. I would have liked to see a little bit more internal thought. I didn't really feel like the. Although we said I want to draw it, I want to draw it. I didn't get that drive. You know that whole yeah. drive for drawing it. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. think maybe yeah. if we had a little bit more internal thought in the writing, in that fit, we would have got a little bit ins- better insight into that character rather than just telling us the scene. Though we did get a feel for the sort of interactions of the family, which was nice. So, um, yeah, I rather liked it, and I think I probably would pick this one up um, and have okay. a read. Uh, just, yeah. To, yeah, it was, yeah, I rather like this one. Very um, good. Okay, uh, we need you to push your buttons now because it all literally hinges on you. Oh, there we go, you've done it. You've pushed your buttons, and actually, what you've done there is very momentous, actually, Lee, because you've sent Joan and the Society of American Figures right into the lead. Right into the lead. Well done, Joan. Yeah. Wow. Um, genius room. Just take a final look there. Uh, Yana's gone three, 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 two. Not. Mm, yeah, I went for a three in terms of a bang commercial appeal. Um, positioning. I would. I if I was going to take it out, I would want it to be sort of John Irving territory. Actually, and I'm not sure it really is. This is what agents often do. They see. They see something. They see the potential. They get all enthusiastic, and then they they try try and shoehorn it into something that maybe it isn't quite. So you have to be careful of that. And he says, wow, congratulations, Joan. And Joan is with us now. Come on, Joan, say something. <laughs> she swooned. <laughs> uh, um, Johnny says, the t- I think the writing is good. The title is great. But I'd try and zoosh it up a tad. Yeah, pretty much what Leah's saying as well. Um, Johnny, good writing, nice prose. Uh, Alex, punching this up will be easy. Uh, same scene, add zombies. <laughs> You've just brought the whole thing right down. Sorry. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Good. All right. Look, um, let's let's see how the whole uh, show is, is shaping up now. Yeah, it's it's looking good. It's looking good. Um, I'm just desperately pushing a button here. <laughs> 
Let's see if we can get a sorting. Um, LJ got 69. Uh, Elaine, Miss Elaine got 58. Also 58, Jackie V. Um, Bruce got 52. Everyone's called pretty well today. But, yes, Eugene, who with us live, got uh, a very, very creditable 74. And I don't think I'm going to get the update happening, unfortunately. Um, damn it, I'm going to try and do that now. Why don't I try and do that? You don't mind just holding on for a moment, do you? Because we're just... This is another little bit of technology that we've just... Uh, yes, there we go. I think... I think, actually, Joan, we can do this right now. Yes, it worked! <laughs> just about. Spacing's not too hot, is it? But congratulations, Joan. Very many congratulations. You actually were the show winner today. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, I want to say thank you so much to everyone. Actually, I could go on forever. Really enjoying myself today. I hope you're enjoying it as well. If you are, please uh, leave us a like, subscribe, do the usual sorts of stuff, and pass, pass the word around to your friends as well. I don't think anyone else is doing anything like I, in fact, I know nobody else is doing anything remotely like this on YouTube. Um, so... Let people know about it, actually. We're trying to demystify the whole publishing process here and what goes on behind the scenes. Thank you so much, Lee. Congratulations again on your double win. That's so impressive. Thank you so much, Ali, for being with us and being one of our amazing narrators. Thank you, narrators, too. We've got some new narrating talent coming online uh, very soon now. Rachel, Kate and Emily, you know what you do. You know how grateful we are. And you know that we will be back with you same time next week.